0: Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host Albert, and this is episode 95. Let's take a ride and run with the dogs tonight. You run with the dogs tonight. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the One Player Podcast. Um, we're here just talking today, and we're, we're talking about games.
1: Solo games. <laughs> just <laughs> out of coincidence. Not like we planned this, or scheduled this, or actually prepared for this. No, we just happened to see each other online, we're like, Hey, Albert, what are you doing tonight? I don't know, talking about solo games. <laughs> Me too! Me <laughs> too! Let's record it. I yeah, wonder how this <laughs> happens. Every two weeks, we just sort of meet with no planning at all whatsoever. It's amazing it's gone on this long. Oh, uh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, many, many years.
0: Yeah. Which, actually, the show is almost on its fifth year anniversary. Now you mentioned that. It's uh, yeah May will be the fifth year anniversary. And I've now been doing this for a year, I think. Uh, yeah i guess so if you haven't been a year you're really close i don't know when you started
1: Uh, i think it was around the beginning of 2015 sometime around there but yay still doing (laughs) still having fun let's keep it up more years many more years (laughs) may we never run out of things to say speaking of which (laughs) we've run out of things to say (laughs) oh dear oh goodness
0: Yeah, I I told Julius already I don't have any real content to contribute tonight. I'm just a comedy relief here. So then you're going to have to be a lot funnier. (laughs) Oh, well. Try telling a joke. (laughs) Oh, I'm not good at my toes.
1: I'll come up with something later. This must be why you don't do humor-based solo RPGs. Mm Mm-mm. That's, yeah. I, Either that or why you do solo RPGs, so nobody has to laugh at your jokes. Because <laughs> they're that bad.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Here we go. You started March 2nd of last year.
1: What was it? Oh, Episode man, it was all 75. All Five. Wow, all the way in March. This is your 21st show. Wow. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. So anyway, anyway, do we have any news? Any content? A couple pieces of news. I know that um, one of the games that was really rocking on the 2015 lists was Baseball Highlights 2045, which is a deck building game um, with a baseball futuristic theme with cyborg baseball people. I have not yet had a chance to play it, but I know that it came out to the Android App Store. Uh, It's still working on coming out to the Apple App Store, uh, but it's already out for the uh, at Android App Store, we can post a link to it. I think it's going for five ninety nine. That's not bad. If you're interested in picking that up,
0: uh, no, it's not bad. Yeah, as it. an Android user, I'm happy to hear that it's on Android first because
1: so often we just don't get any love. Well, recently, I know that the Apple App Store has been really locking down on games coming in that are multi-platform because they don't want people to be. Using their own service to log in and other issues, and Android just doesn't have any of those issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for me, I'm also always happy to see games come up. I don't know if you're you if you get any uh, Google survey money. No. Are you familiar with this with the program? Not at all. Um, I'm part of a Google Rewards program, which I think anyone can sign up for. And essentially what it is is it pops up with a server every once in a while. So, for instance, it pops up with a survey. Hey, did you recently visit um, Home Depot? What would you think about it? Did you Do you like this magazine? Do you like dogs? Do you like gadgets? And so it'll ask you various random things. I assume what they're trying to do is they're trying to correlate your phone use or your browsing use or your location use with interests in order that they can make more targeted stuff. But they give me free money for I mean, it's Google Play credits. So okay. that means that I can get Google Android apps and Android games, um, which I don't mind getting free ones mm-hmm. on Google's dime. So it's all good for me. Yeah, hey, okay. I'll have to check that out. Sure, then
0: maybe I could get more games.
1: I At least app games. Yeah.
0: I downloaded and tried um, Pandemic on my phone the other day. Oh, yeah. Yeah? And it seemed like a really nice implementation, but... I don't know, I, I couldn't get into the idea of actually playing Pandemic on my phone for some reason. Maybe it was too small, maybe if I had a bigger tablet that would work.
1: What kind of tablet do you have?
0: It's a, it's a just a Galaxy S5, so it's a large screen phone. Okay. But still yeah,
1: phone have, size. I've
0: got a Moto X and a Nexus 7, an old Nexus 7. Okay. I do have a, a rooted Nook, a, uh, and that runs Android. I probably could run it on there, but a lot of stuff doesn't work on it.
1: And I have no idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, it Minecraft works on it. My kids play that a lot. they on
1: there. That's good, I suppose.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they use that instead of a computer.
1: <laughs> Give them all the computer.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's actually getting hard to do that now. It's my daughter has homework and she's got to do it on the computer sometimes, and you know we only got the one computer. My wife has her her Apple tablet, her iPad. But uh, I'm finding I have to share the computer a lot. So I see something coming up in the future. Some new device of some kind. Either a new laptop or a tablet. Something. Anyway.
1: Very good. So anyway, that's one piece of news. Another piece of news. I don't know. You, you're probably a fan of um, VRG's writer um, game stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So they actually recently got a... Um, New, what's the title they use? Art director? Art director, yes. Or did you see this news? I did
0: see this, yes. I did see this. They hired
1: somebody. Oh, I don't remember the guy's name, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Evan Derrick Derrick. is his name. Evan Derrick is his name. The reason why I know his name is because he's also the designer for Dark Moon and some other games that are coming out for Van Ryder Games that I don't think I'm allowed to talk about, even though they need the error of not having me sign an NDA. <laughs> I think. Oh. But I'm not gonna talk about it anyway. But so anyway, so they Evan Derek's doing some other stuff for Van Ryder games. And uh yeah, so he recently became the vice president and creative director is the title.
0: Nice. Okay, and I think he's already been involved with them, um, hasn't he in some of the yes. artwork. Has he for some of the artwork? That's
1: that's the impression I got when I read the uh, the news. The press oh, yeah, release. it says that he contributed to the designs for Salvation Road and Saloon Tycoon. Okay, but I don't think Saloon Tycoon is going to be one player friendly. I know nothing of it. Um, I only know about it because the the designer of Saloon Tycoon is on another podcast that I listened to, building the game, um, which. May as well talk about it for a second. Building the Game is a podcast um, from a couple people who are um, designers, and they're talking about basically their experiences designing games and marketing games and pitching games. So it's more about the design aspect of a game and, and everything that goes into all of that and being a designer. Um, so it's an interesting podcast to listen to if you're Into more of sort of the experience of a designer designing a game. It's all about their experiences in life and things. So I know that they were talking about Saloon Tycoon. It's a uh, you're building up a saloon, uh, resource management. I just don't think it's one player friendly. No, two to four players. I just looked it up on BGG. Okay. Okay. Hmm. So. Maybe they'll find out a solo mode. I have no idea. Uh, (laughs) I hope so.
0: Well, congratulations we to, to Evan and uh, Van Raider Games.
1: Indeed. Yeah, Kickstarters. But anyway, yeah, so we do, have, we do have a bunch of Kickstarters. Let's go ahead and get started talking okay. about them. Okay, let's do that. First one I'm going to talk about is The Pursuit of Happiness. You probably have heard of this one before, have you not? I, I've seen the picture of it. It looks
0: awful nice and happy.
1: Awful nice and happy. Yeah. Cheerful looking box. The pursuit of happiness is... I guess sort of they're trying to to make life into a real game, the game of life into a real game. It's a worker placement idea where you're going through life and getting jobs and stuff and families and people, and you're going through and you're, you're essentially doing stuff. Um... So you have a certain amount of of, I guess it's workers, but really the idea is is that you're spending time doing things. So your workers are your time. So you may get a number of hours in the day to be able to spend, and so you'll spend that time going to a job, relaxing, getting smarter, buying stuff, going on dates, getting married, having kids, and so that's the essential idea. And so it does. It's it looks like a. a basically a Euro game where the the idea is that you're building a life, and so it's worker. Me.
0: <laughs> so if, if the workers are timed, does that mean sometimes some actions take more time than others?
1: Yeah, some actions do take more time than others. So for example, you know, it might take you a certain amount of time to have a relationship and more time to raise a family, for example. Or a certain amount of time to do a decent job, or more time to do an even more difficult job, or an even more difficult task. So for example, if you want to work at a science job, that may only take you two time, but if you want to work at a business job, that may take you three time, and require more knowledge, or more money. That sounds neat, I like worker placement games. It is a worker placement game. And it's one to four players, so you can just play it yourself. And I think that the idea when you're playing yourself is that you're just trying to get the most amount of points by the time you finish your life. Okay. Okay.
0: The art is very cartoony. It's very cute, but I don't think it's my style. What, it, the art yeah. isn't your style? Yeah, it would,
1: I feel like it'd be hard to take a, take it seriously. Oh, really? I don't think it's... I, I mean, I think it's meant to be but, yeah. lighter. Yeah. When whenever I mean you're building a person's life, I think it's supposed to begin. I mean, it's not the kind of silliness. I I prefer seeing silliness like we had I don't know if you recall back in the networks. hmm Yes. Which was the silly T V shows. I kinda of prefer that sort of stuff than this. This one, it's cartoony. So for example, you can do karting, have a golf course or a boat. I kind of would prefer if it's sort of wacky type of stuff. Where instead of having a golf course, you can buy a cocoa powered jet ski boat. Flying thing, right? be, I don't know. I kind of prefer being wacky, but I, I I get the I get the theme. Okay. The of Let that me piece. see if I'm right. I'm just pulling up in the rule book to see if I'm right about how the solo play works.
0: Twenty four days to go
1: at this one. Yeah. So if you want a copy of this one, let's see here. It's. It. This is the second. This is apparently the second edition of it coming out. Uh, it's forty nine dollars with no shipping cost if you're in the EU, USA, or Canada, and it's going to be ending on February 11th.
0: And they expect to fulfill in May,
1: which is relatively soon. Well, I think they do. I mean, like I said, this is the second edition of the game, and I think most of it is already ready. Okay. Differences in solar on page 16 of the rulebook. Yeah, (laughs) you just have to get 50 life points by the end of the game. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) next Kickstarter, Dirigible Disaster. Do you like real-time co-op games? Yes, like Escape. This is one. Yes, this is one like Escape. This is a co-op real-time game which lasts ten minutes. Um, Although I think that you're allowed to pause between each round, but it's ten rounds of exactly one minute each. Um. So technically it actually lasts 20 to 30 minutes, it says. Now then, this is listed as being a frantic real-time co-op for two to five players. And I'll tell you about that in just a second. But the idea of this one is you're on a dirigible. Dirigible, dirigible, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that, whether or not you pronounce the I. But you're on an (laughs) airship. You're on an airship, and so you have various dice. And so there's different dice for all the different events that are going to be going on. And the idea is that you will roll the dice to figure out what bad stuff has been happening. And you have to go around the board and everyone has to take their turns to resolve events and try and fix stuff up and figure out what what goes on. And so everyone's very much trying to pressure themselves so that everyone can get a turn going around. Now, the, when you're playing solo, they don't have a solo version yet and i did reach out to them about this um one moment let me get the exact quote because this sounds like the sort of game that could be played solo except for the fact that since there's there's intended to be a certain amount of pressure from the fact that you're having to cooperate with others and you don't have that pressure from lack of cooperation or cooperation when you're um, when you're working together, so I went ahead and reached out to them and asked whether or not they're intending on doing a solo mode, and they said that they'll get back to me if they're doing it. Um, but they're trying to test it; they're not sure if they can have it, so they haven't announced anything yet. They're trying to make sure that it works well, and they're going to be posting updates to it. But the game looks very cool to me, so even before they're announcing it, I'm already going to head and uh, talking about it because it looks neat to me. <laughs> Alright, so, so if you think it looks neat, also contact him and suggest it. Yeah, more people will talk that's about right. them. And see, so you heard on the one-player podcast. That's right. That's right. Um, so that's Dirigible Disaster, and this one's going to be finishing on February 11th, and if you want to copy of the game, it is $29, with some shipping costs depending upon where you are. Unless you're in the U.S., then it's free, because I like the U.S. <laughs> Sorry, guys sorry to international listeners yep we apologize
0: but we are grateful that people are shipping shipping from (laughs) here
1: it means that we get to review more games (laughs) (laughs) it's all for you guys really it is it's a selfless job anyway So that is Dirigible Disaster. Next one that we're doing is the Manhattan Project Chain Reaction card game. Have you ever played Manhattan Project? No, I haven't. Manhattan Project, the original, is a game where you're building bombs. It's a worker placement game. Uh, I do not think it's solo-friendly, but you are um, trying to use your workers, and you have laborers and intelligent people. I think they're called scientists. Yeah, scientists Excuse me for calling them intelligent people. But you have scientists and engineers and laborers. I just they, they don't do anything specific. They're sort of like your standard workers. Um, so but you have different workers and you get to apply those different workers to the different factories and the different places um, to get more resources, to turn those resources into better resources, to turn those resources into bombs, to build bombs, to load the bombs, to interact with the other players, to have enough bombs that you can make sure that you blow up the world first. That's the idea of Manhattan Project. What they're making is essentially... I mean, to me, it looks like sort of a very streamlined, multi-use cards version of the game. And to me, I know that that really piqued my interest because I like multi-use cards. The idea of the Chain Reaction game is that each card can either be used for um, people or can be used for a place. So you can either use it as workers to fuel a place, or you can use it as a place that is therefore fueled by workers. So, for ex- and you have to chain all that together to make it um, make it do stuff for you, essentially. So, for example, you can make some you can make something just be. I mean, they have an example of the sort of chain reactions that you can do that you you use a card to be two laborers. And you use those two laborers to make three miners. Use two of those miners in a mine to get three yellow cake. One of those miners in a factory to draw two more cards. Use those two cards to act as a scientist. And then use one of those cards to be a scientist and one of those cards to be an enrichment plant. then enrichment plant will use the three yellow cake you just had before to make two uranium. And that uranium you can then use to make a bomb. And you just have to chain together this whole big set of turns and and get it all together. And to me, all of that looking together, all of it, that's that's exciting to me. The retail version of the game is just going to have a tuck box. And you'll get to use the tuck box to with resource cards. So, for example, the Uranium will just be cards. If you want to kickstart it, you can kickstart it with a deluxe version, which has wood pieces for the yellow cake and the Uranium. And the tuck box version, I think it's it's relatively cheap. I think it's what fifteen dollars. Yeah, fifteen dollars in the U.S. And the tuck and the deluxe version is twenty five dollars in the U.S. Not bad. Okay. Did the idea of the the dual use cards that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. I, I like I dual use there.
0: games with dual use cards too. I really enjoy that. That that always makes it hard
1: heart gives you hard choices and also I think that because they're selling enough deluxe copies they're actually upgrading the wood bits to be mushroom clouds and um, a, and uh, a radioactive symbol so that it really looks like the sort of things it is Mm-hmm. yep neat thing to do I find it maybe a little strange I think that the mushroom clouds doesn't look like the uranium on the cards I hope that they figure out some way to make those two things work together. Because I kind of like the yellow cake and the uranium things on the card, but it doesn't match the wood bits. I'm not sure how they're going to make that work. Me, personally, I'm kind of happy with the tuck box and just have it all be in a little tuck box and be a little card game. Mm-hmm, yeah. Now, the the original
0: Manhattan Project game, it wasn't where you're, you're trying to actually blow up anything, right? This one sounds more... unless I'm misunderstanding
1: something. You don't actually get to blow up anything. What you're trying to do... Well, let's let's rephrase that. The goal of the game is not to blow up anything, nor is the goal in this one to blow up anything. You have to um, build your bombs to ensure nuclear dominance. Because the idea is it's a race to have the most bombs so that you can be the most powerful nation. But You did have the ability to blow up some things in the original Manhattan Project. You got to run tests, and you also got to send regular bombers against your opponent's stuff. Okay. Okay, that makes more sense, then. Anyways, like I said, this one has two types of costs, the 15 and the 25 one, and it's going to be finishing February 4th. Another game. Yeah, we got a couple more to go. Uh, next one that I want to talk about is Venom Assault. And I'd actually heard about this one when they were doing a pre-Kickstarter for it. This is a co-op deck building with dice-based combat game. What it looks like is it's G.I. Joe. I don't know if all of our listeners are familiar with G.I. Joe, but are you, Albert?
0: You know, uh, I know of it. I never watched the cartoons growing up, but I remember them being on. G.I. Joe is there. On G.I.
1: Joe, they're fighting Cobra. On G.I. Joe, they were fighting Cobra. G.I. Joe is... It's a old cartoon show about... Um, I think it was like soldiers or... Yeah. ...fighting some... Some sort of special forces mission. unit or something. Something like that. So they're fighting Cobra. In this game, they're fighting Venom, <laughs> which is also a snake-based <laughs> set of bad guys. Um... It's a deck building game where the idea of the game is you have your hand of cards and cards let you recruit more cards or use them for their ability to attack or deal damage or roll dice or get bonuses. And you roll your dice and you see if you defeat the bad guy and you get more benefits if you defeat the bad guy. Cool, That's the essential idea of the game.
0: And the bad guy does look like the one from uh, G.I. Joe. Don't remember his name, but it's got. He had a mask on. So does this one.
1: Yeah, he's this shadowy overlord with the leather gloves, just covering the world. It looks like an old G.I. Joe cartoon yeah. with the guy coming out of the front ground, front uh, out of the foreground of the guy and the black guy with the big gun. Yep, just looks like it. <laughs> looks like it's out of the old cartoon. What do you think about the art? It looks like an old cartoon. It, it matches does look like an old cartoon it matches the theme really well I, I wonder I mean to me it's sort of the art doesn't look great to me, i think i mean well, yeah actually, I'm not sure if it's the actually i think the art's good. The art looks like an old cartoon with the the pictures of the combat people and the bad guys and the vehicles and the weapons. I actually think the art is good. I think what I'm actually having difficulty with is the graphic design. Like, for example, they have the event cards, which is the gold lettering on the different colored text with the black texts on it. Yeah. I, I think the graphic design is what's actually putting me off a little. I don't so much like the graphic design.
0: Yeah, I can see what you're saying. The, the, the picture of the dice on the cards, it it just doesn't seem that great. The dice could look nicer. Well, I think the dice...
1: I don't think the dice on the cards are actually on the cards. I think that's... Oh. Never mind. They put the dice on the cards.
0: Ah. Darn. Okay. Then never mind. Then they don't need to look nice. Or not. I think. That's just a Kickstarter thing, an explanation.
1: Yeah. I think that's just an explanation of what it is that they're doing.
0: Yep. It's got a board. The board seems... It's like a grid of the the world. Yeah, Yeah. I think the
1: art seems... It definitely seems appropriate. The art, I don't know, the graphic design is just putting me off a little bit. But you know, I think, I think this comes in the category of everyone can have their own opinions. Yeah, I'd like to, would like to see how it comes out final before I, before I have a chance to really decide on it. But the graphic design doesn't do any great favors for me. But I think, I mean, this is definitely the sort of thing that I think opinions can, can differ on.
0: Yep, I, I agree. You know, I, I was like I said, I was never a big fan of G.O. so the, the game doesn't accept me, so I'm wondering if it was something else. Like, I used to watch uh, Voltron Force a lot. If the theme was more like that, about these giant lion robots with the same style of art and everything, would I like it? I think I probably would.
1: Um, I find it funny. I actually contacted them about playing it solo before they went live, and they've actually updated on the fact uh, asking if it could be played solo, and they said that it's only one or two minor rule changes. Um, so that, and you're controlling multiple hands, and they've actually apparently updated to list one to five instead of two to five because of the playtesting they've done. That in the meantime,
0: mm-hmm. that's so, neat. Go them. Yep, they they took the time to try it out and find out for themselves if it would work in it.
1: Go them. So that is Venom Venom Assault. Excuse me, not Venom Commander. Venom Assault. And how much is it? And when's it done, Albert?
0: It is a lot, and it'll be done soon. It'll be done. (laughs) Where's the date? There's Uh, not many. (laughs) February 4th is the the ending date, and it is forty five dollars to get a copy. Well, no, that was the early level. It is. $45 to get a copy too with all unlocked stretch goals. (laughs) Apparently they had 92 first and that sold out and they added some more. But the same price. So. and So that. I, I saw there's a. Oh wait. I saw there's another message from Julius.
1: Yeah. Next one that I'm doing is Zeno Shift Dreadmire. Um, And this is a sequel and a standalone expansion for Xenoshift Onslaught. Um, And I know more about Xenoshift Onslaught because I've actually played that one before. Xenoshift Onslaught is a deck building game where there are hordes of enemies coming in and you have to um, buy cards with your typical deck building ideas. You get cards to get resources, to buy more cards, to get better cards... And you put out those cards in a row to go up against the enemies that are coming up against you. I think this is the... I don't think they're changing anything big in this one. Um, No, actually, the the change that they're listing for this one is that there's now going to be weather effects. In addition to having new foes and new items and new things, Mm -hmm. the new mechanic that they're bringing in is going to be weather. So weather now can take an effect and change things. Um, I don't know if you need to have it be weather or not.
0: Yeah, I, I, the the idea of weather in, in this sci-fi style of game seems like a, a strange add-on. But, you know, the, it'll still be fun, I bet. The, the idea is you, suddenly the weather changes and it affects the game for everybody. Yes. All of a sudden the game is just different. And maybe the weather changes I mean, game otherwise later. it's
1: just an expansion which gives you new cards and new stuff. Mm-hmm. So the weather's a neat twist. And this is a sixty dollar buy to get the to get the game and it's gonna be ending on January thirty first. And it's from cool mini or not, but there's no minis. This is the or not
0: part. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is the or
1: not. No, they're very upfront about that. They talked about that because when they were doing Xenoshift Onslaught, they were very upfront about, you know, this is the this is the or not part. We have <laughs> a lot of or not games.
0: Neat. Okay. It, it reminds me a lot of uh,
1: aliens and that sort of thing. I mean, that's exactly the yeah. theme—is the the idea that the bad aliens are coming to get you, and that's what—that's the theme and the art design and everything. It, it it really just compels that theme. The aliens are just all over, ugly, and trying to bite your face and stuff like that. Neat. last one that I'm talking about is Novo Atus. And I believe that this one actually went up for Kickstarter once before. I think that it went back down back then, but it's back. This is the um, co-op RPG, which is set in the... I mean, the, the idea that I think that they were talking about last time, even, is that they're trying to make it be like a Final Fantasy Tactics sort of game. Um... This is a game with minis. It can be very expensive. Uh the base game value is ninety dollars. The the ninety wow. the ninety dollar pledge doesn't have that many people backing it. The the one that has more people backing it is the hundred and forty dollar pledge, which has all the Kickstarter exclusive minis. Okay.
0: And they're neat-looking minis, and this is a, a... Looks like a fantasy or renaissance setting, even. A fantasy renaissance, maybe.
1: Oh, no, excuse me. The The upgrade has the expansion, not the Kickstarter-exclusive minis. Expensive game. <laughs> okay,
0: there it is. They're really pretty-looking minis. They're, they're
1: well done. Yeah,
0: You get some trees, even.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. The minis are... are, are I, as I say every time, there's minis too expensive for me but they look really nice <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah you know i'd always think i'd like to back him in these game someday and sit down and take my time and paint them all and but the fact is i'll never actually get them painted all and even if i do they'll look terrible i got tail
1: feathers and i just had <laughs> someone else painted for me that's, that's
0: what I'm ah, okay yeah i'd say you know look at this goblet he's all blue and this one he's all red exactly <laughs>
1: Yeah, for me, I mean, I like shaped meeples and standees and things like that. <laughs> that's that's my opinion yeah. on things.
0: Or the minis can pre-paint it because uh, again, otherwise, I just I wouldn't have the the time to do a do it.
1: Pre-painted minis are they're they're even even more expensive. Yes, as as we know from Mage Knight.
0: That's right. I almost picked that up today. I was tempted to Mage Knight. Yep. yep. You don't have a copy, but I did not. No, because I, I look at it and it says one of four hours. Yeah.
1: <sighs> I'm not going to get to it. Yeah. I, I can't disagree with that one. Yeah. that It does... Mage Knight is a forever game. It's a lot of fun, but it takes forever. I'm still waiting for something that, that does more similar to it in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Always waiting, unfortunately, I think. So that's Kickstarter.
0: Right there, there is one other item worth mentioning. There is an expansion to King's Forge. King's Forge is a, a game that was kickstarted, I think, last year. That is out now and supports solid play. So, if you, if you already own King's Forge, you probably know about the expansion. But if you bought King's Forge at retail, maybe maybe you didn't know that this is on Kickstarter right now. I do not know more about the game. Oh, some sort of fantasy game. There you go. We'll include links to that one, too. Oh, we will, will we? Maybe. I'm editing, so maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if we don't, it's all Albert's <laughs> fault. Let it be known. And if we don't, yeah. Let it be known. <laughs> yeah, right. Something like that.
0: There you go, and I've set myself up. <laughs> Oops. All right, and that was Kickstarter
1: doop do doop doo doop 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 doo doop doop, 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 doop,
0: doop, doop. Let's talk about our game tonight. What's our game? Break the window by the town hall, listen to the siren scream. They're in the distance, like a roll call of all the suburban dreams. <laughs> Man, ain't you hip hop? No, no, this is a uh, New Wave of anything. New wave? Eighties music, yeah.
1: Suburbia. How can we call it be We're new about wave suburbia if it's from by the 80s. Pet Shop Boys? Mm-hmm. How can it be called New Wave if it's from the eighties? It's like old wave then. Ah. Uh,
0: that was new back then. Yes, yeah, so today's game is Suburbia by the Pet Shop Boys.
1: I don't think it's by the Pet Shop Boys. It's by <laughs> Ted Alsbach. Is he one of the Pet Shop Boys? I don't think so. Who are the Pet Shop Boys? They sing Suburbia. Eh, it doesn't matter. Okay, so, so if it's not by them, tell me about the game. I don't think we have a pet shop even in Suburbia. No? Suburbia is a game about... I mean... If you've ever played SimCity, this feels a lot like like SimCity and that type of idea. In Suburbia, you are building a town. And there's all sorts of different tiles that are part of the town. Because every, every building and thing in the town is going to be a hex tile. Um... All players start with one of the three basic sort of tiles. Those three basic tiles are suburbs, a heavy factory, and a community park. Throughout the course of the game, players are going to take turns buying tiles or doing something instead of buying a tile um, until all of the tiles have been bought and the last round is revealed. After the last round goes by, players are going to look and see what the population of their suburb is. Whichever player has the most population is going to win the game. Um, there are a couple bonuses that can resolve at the end of the game. but Let's talk about some of the resources that you can have first. Each player gets a player board that they'll use to track the two basic types of income. There's income and there's reputation. You'll also get a bunch of coins to uh, to show how much money you have. The coins are... I think they're 1s, 5s, and 10s, which are supposed to be in millions. But I've used them for many other games. They're just 1s in many other games because I really like the cardboard coins in this game. But um, with the income, whatever your income track is at is how much money you'll get at the end of your turn. So after you buy something, you'll get that much. So if your income track is at 3, you'll get 3 coins at the end of your turn. If your income is at negative 3 you must give up three coins at the end of your turn. Similarly with with reputation. If your reputation is at three, you'll get three population at the end of your turn. If your income's at negative three, you'll lose three population at the end of your turn. One interesting thing that they did with the components of this that I thought was very nice and something I used to, to help new players especially, the income track marker is a circle, as is the income things, and the coins are circles whereas the reputation track marker is a square and the population track is made up of squares. So the idea is, is that the income track helps you get more circles and the reputation track helps you get more squares higher on the square track. And that's I, I, I'm glad that they made that in order to sort of help facilitate that connection between the two of them. Okay. Boy. Yeah. I think that was a good idea. You're supposed to be at least comic relief, Albert. Uh, I'm sorry. So what is that, a henway? I'm not falling into your traps. <laughs> I refuse. I absolutely refuse. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Moving on along. <laughs> Ex- excuse us for our insanity delusions. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so that's income and reputation. Um... Now then, the hex tiles. Um, The hex tiles are actually divided into ABCs, so the, the better tiles are going to be coming out towards the end of the game, and the more basic tiles come out at the beginning of the game. Now then, there's also... The colors have a primary color scheme, so that when you look at the board, you can really see pops of color. So there's grays, blues, yellows, and greens. I think, are all the color types. Um, so that's actually one of the critiques that's been given for the game, that sort of you can just look at the game, and all you'll see is the hex hexes of colors, because really the details on the specific buildings and things don't really come out, because just sort of the color of the hex comes out. I don't know that's a bad thing because it makes it very easy to look across your board and see the colors because, to a certain degree, the colors is the most important thing. Reason being is that, in general, what the things do will follow after their colors. So, for example, the blue ones are the business tiles. By and large, those things are used to help you make money in a certain way. Um, They're not really so much focused on helping you get more population. Those Those are more focused on helping you make money. So for instance, there may be a blue tile for a restaurant, or a fast food restaurant, or a fancy restaurant, or an office building, or a parking lot. And all these sorts of things will help you build money. It may be that it gets you more money for being adjacent, or for all your other blue tiles, or for being adjacent to green tiles. But usually they're designed to help you make money. The green tiles are usually used to um, help you get people. Uh, Usually it's not reoccurring people. Usually it's single lump sums amount of people. So, for example, the suburbs might give you a sudden boost of extra two people, an extra two people for every house you have. And usually they're just lump sums as opposed to actually increasing your reputation. Um, in general, the gray buildings will actually help you increase your reputation. A lot of them don't. The the gray ones are harder to put in such a fine line, but in general, the gray ones do help you get more reputation, um, especially the community parks, which is the always accessible building. And I'll get to those in a second, but the community parks will help you increase your reputation, which will help you get a, a constant influx of people, the yellow buildings are the factory buildings. I'm sorry, the, the gray buildings are the community buildings, the, the government buildings. So it might be a park or a mint or a post office, those sort of things. Uh, the yellow buildings are the um, factory buildings or the airport buildings or the, the heavy industry buildings. So it'll be like an airport or a freeway or a factory. Those things in general... Um will be a balanced <coughs> will be in balance uh, uh, will be a balance between positives and negatives so for instance, it might give you more uh, income but you'll lose some reputation for it or vice versa and so those things will have a mix of both as opposed to a more all good of one things and so that's the idea is that the different colors will sort of have their own general archetype. At the beginning of the game, you'll take the first seven tiles and you'll lay them out in the real estate market. And the real estate market will be... It's one of those flowing river type games where there's a set of them all lined up. The ones that have been out for the longest are cheapest. The ones that are newest out are more expensive. And that's because each tile has its basic cost printed on it. So a cheap tile might be $5 or $2, while a more expensive tile might be $20. But where it is... In the real estate, it'll have an added cost. So if it's all the way in the left, i.e. it's all the way a new one, it'll be an extra $10 to buy it. So if it's brand new and it came out and only its base value is only $4, it may be an additional $10 because it's brand new and it just came out. Now, sometimes you'll still want to get those because admittedly, some of the tiles are more powerful than other tiles. And an example of one of those I'm thinking of is... um, the PR firm. We'll get to why some of those are more powerful later, but some of them are more powerful than others. So you may want to jump on those and make sure you pick them up right when they come out immediately on the real estate market, where some of them will languish for almost the whole game, just sitting down in the zero tiles because no one want one. So for example, the um, sewage dump, I think it costs zero (laughs) dollars and nobody wants to live by it. I think you lose reputation for everything that is by it. But at the same time, it gives you, I think, it's an extra three income for having it. Many times, people don't want it. So I know some games, it's literally sat there doing nothing for the whole game. Just forcing people to get rid of it. Now then, each of the tiles on the back of them also has a lake. On your turn, the main thing that you'll normally do is you'll take a tile from a real estate market and you'll use it as its face as its face building. So you'll use it as a homo's association or a restaurant or whatever it is that you're using it as, and you'll put it on your thing, and you'll put it next to the other tiles. If you don't want to do that, you can do a couple other things. You can instead take a tile and use it as a lake, what we call laking a tile. You'll take it, and you'll flip it over, and you'll put it on the back side, of the back side is just a lake. Lakes are a way to get short-term money, and they always cost nothing. So if you can't afford anything, you can lake a tile, in which case you're preventing another player from getting access to one of the good tiles. You'll still have to pay the added cost from the real estate market, so you can lake that 20-cost tile to prevent someone else from getting it. Hmm. Uh, But you don't have to pay the $20 for it, you just have to pay the $10 for the new real estate, as an example. So, But the base cost on the lake is zero. And it gives you $2 for every tile that it's adjacent to. So it's just a quick way to get money. Additionally, you can also instead take one of the basic tiles. And I talked about those before. Every player gets one of each of the basic tiles. A suburb, a community park, and a heavy factory at the beginning of the game. Instead of taking a tile from the real estate market, you can discard a tile from the real estate market, pay the real estate market cost for it as if it was a lake, and then instead take one of the um, basic tiles, in which case you'll also have to pay the base cost on the basic tiles. Um, And so those are good ways of doing it. I know that sometimes in the game you may want to get a lot of those. Um, I'll get to why shortly. The last thing that you can do instead of taking a tile is you can discard a tile and place an investment marker. Each player starts the game with a number of investment markers, three of them. And the investment markers have a 2x, a 2x shown on them. And the idea of those is you'll put them out on top of a tile, and essentially it duplicates everything on the tile. So it'll duplicate its base value, but any bonuses that it gives you are also duplicated. So if it gave you three income, instead it gives you six income. If it gave you $2 for every person you get, now you get three dollars uh, you get four dollars for a person you get. So it duplicates everything on the tile. You have to pay the base cost again, because it's as if sort of you bought another version of the tile, but then everything on the tile is duplicated. Now it doesn't count as two of that tile for anything that's next to it to trigger, but it all of the bonuses written on it are twice. So if anything is next to it and gives it more power so those would all happen again. So those are the things. If that
0: are the a if a tile has a a negative value, does it also
1: multiply? It that? will also multiply that. Yes. Okay. So, for example, if you try and multiply a heavy factory, well, let's see. If you multiply a uh, community park, that's a better one. I think. Well, actually, which one is it? Uh, I don't have the game in front of me, but I do have the rules in front of me. Yeah. If you multiply a heavy factory, so a heavy factory gives you plus one income and then minus one reputation for being next to a a green tile or a gray tile. Um, So if you were to put an investment marker on that, so now you would get an extra income, but for every gray or green tile, you would lose another reputation. But if you've managed to surround it with things that aren't gray or green tiles, there's no reason not to. You're not at risk anymore. So those those are the investment markers. Now then, you'll go through the game and you'll continue on your turn potentially increasing your income and increasing reputation. Now then, it's not all grand. On the population track, it's a snake track that lets you track how your population is. But every once in a while, there's these red spots on it. So, for example, after the 14, after the 21, after the 28, and so on and so forth. And it gets more and more frequent as you get up higher and higher. Um, But uh, those those red lines, whenever you cross a red line on your score track, you have to lose an income and lose a reputation. Which means that the players who are getting farther faster will hit those red lines sooner and it'll slow them down. So it can be a more powerful strategy to slow down at the beginning of the game and not go so far and so fast in order to not hit those red lines. You really want to start building up your income and make more money, but not so me- not so much reputation, so that later on in the game you have a lot of income and when you pass those red lines, you're still making enough money to be able to continue building population. On the other hand, you don't want to wait too long to start building a population, otherwise the other players will be too far out in the lead to be able to to, to that you'll never be able to catch up to them.
0: Mm-hmm. And it looks like the, the farther you are on that track, the
1: the more frequently the red lines show up. That's right. After you pass 120, they show up, I think it's 120, but at one point in time, they show up every two numbers. So every other number, you're going to be passing a red line. And once you're getting up to that stage, you could be making, you know, 15 people. That will pass the red line seven times. Ooh. And if, you're, if your income or your reputation wasn't that high to begin with... So let's say that, for instance, you threw out a green one. And that green one gave you an extra 15, 20 people. And you shoot past 7, 8, 9, 10 red lines all at once. You'll get knocked back down to minus 5 income, minus 5 reputation. And you're just hurting all over the place. At one point in time in the game, though, it may be a good idea to just do those bursts of income and bursts of, of population and simply not care about the income and reputation track. And that could be a very winning strategy. Mm, okay. One of the reasons why that could be a winning strategy are the gold tiles. I have not mentioned these yet, but at the beginning of the game, in addition to all the other setup that goes on your personal player board, there are also the gold tiles. Each player... We'll pick from a big stack of gold tiles, two gold tiles. These gold tiles are a personal goal for you to to have. So, for example, you may get an extra 20 population if you have the least amount of money in the game. Or an extra 20 population if you have the least amount of green tiles, or the most amount of green tiles, or the most amount of yellow tiles, or the most amount of blue tiles, or the highest population, or the highest income, or the highest reputation. All the gold tiles are unique, and they all do different things. And so during the course of the game, you'll want to try and get your gold tile in order to get that extra population at the end of the game. So for example, if yours is you want to be the lowest income player, it may be a good idea just to do that big burst to push your income much lower so that you get your gold tile. Additionally, there's one public goal for each player in the game. And when there's when you're playing solo, there's two. Um, so you put the put them out on the on the board. And so in addition to your personal goal, and you got two, and you have to discard one. So in addition, there's also the public goals. So you want to make sure that your personal goal doesn't conflict with one of the with one of the public goals, because otherwise that's just silly. Um, But, so there'll be these goals, and so these goals will be extra bonuses at the end of the game. And I know some games where I felt like I was totally in the lead, but I had none of the goals. And my opponent had all of the public goals. Her own private goal, and of course this is my wife, and she just shoots all the way to the front to just totally see the dust just from all the goals. Yes, my wife beats me at games very often. (laughs) That's a running theme, isn't it? (laughs) You've, You've noticed, have you? Yeah, I beat her at some games. (laughs) Beat her at Patrick the other day.
0: This is why I like solitaire games.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I lose at solitaire games just as often, though. (laughs) (laughs) That that is the problem. That is the problem. There is that. Yeah. Um, one of the more difficult things about the game, though, sometimes is there's a lot of interaction on the cards, on the tiles. So, for example, a tile may be minus one for all restaurants in all boroughs. And so you have to look at all the boroughs, or they tie into all green ones in every place, or all green tiles in your place, or all uh, airports in your place, or everywhere, or schools. And so sometimes these tiles will, will expand really their reach. For tiles that are just tying into adjacent ones, it's sort of easier to keep track of them because you just look at the one that's immediately there and then look around. Some of them Mm. last a little bit longer. Once you get familiar with the game, though, usually you know which tiles those are that are important. I know when I first had the game, I actually got some, uh, some glass jewels that I put on the ones that tied into every, or that I had to keep looking back at to make sure that I remembered to do it. Very quickly, I felt I didn't really Mm -hmm. need to do that. Once I became a little more experienced in the game, I think it was after just a game or two, I would remember to look at those ones. So, for example, the Homoser Association ties into every green one you have. I would start remembering those. One of the reasons I would start remembering those is because when those ones came out, i will always be like, ooh, we want that one. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the ones we want. And so that's one of the reasons why I felt like I needed to stop using the glass jewels, because I didn't need them anymore. I already was understanding which ones I would use and which ones I wouldn't.
0: Okay, so if you're playing with the the new person that you are teaching the game, do you bring out the beads for them? Usually
1: not, because usually I'm on top of it, and I'll remember to say, oh, make sure you track that and do it. So I don't really need to do that anymore. Okay. So all of that is for the multiplayer game. For the solo game, out of the box there's actually two versions of the solo game. Uh, the first version of the solo game <coughs> excuse me, is the Lone Architect version. The Lone Architect um, is you're playing in a solo mode and you actually play just like the two-player game. Uh, set it up as if you're playing a two-player game. You don't use any goals, though. So you don't have any private goals. You just have the two public goals. And unlike normally when a red line is minus one income, minus one reputation you have to do minus two income, minus two reputation, and each time you take a tile, you have to discard a tile and pay the market cost for whichever tile you discard it. So you either have to pay zero and discard one of the zero market cost tiles, or pay extra to discard one of the more advanced tiles. Usually when I play this, I just discard the zero tiles, because I don't feel like spending money on ones that I discard for no advantage, unless I really, really want a zero one. So that's the Lone Architect. It's very simple, very easy to play. And really, this is the one that it, it's it's dead simple to play because you don't have to think about keeping track of any other robots or anything else like that. But on the other hand, it's just a points race. I do not know what my top score on this is, but it's just a point race, but it's dead simple and dead easy to play. Um, once you have the rules for Suburbia down. The second in the box version of the game is against Dale the Bot. I don't know why it's Dale, but it's against Dale the Bot. <laughs> Dale the Bot is a little more complicated. The way Dale works, and Dale cheats. <laughs> oh. Um, no, Dale actually cheats. Dale is designed to cheat. The way Dale works is that instead of having all of it, you just have four tiles out on the six, four, two, and zero spot. Dale will get to buy the most expensive tile on his turn. So you get to take your turn. Excuse me. Uh, you get to take your turn. After you take your turn, you do not move the other three tiles. Dale gets to pick whichever of those tiles is the most expensive tile to buy, but he only gets, has to pay $3 for it. Even if it was a $20 one, he only has to pay $3 for it. Um, Hmm. right. He's cheating. Yeah, he does cheat. <laughs> he <laughs> never buys a basic tile. He never creates a lake. He never does investment markers. He always just buys the most expensive one. He then will put it in the best spot possible. So unlike in the lone architect, in addition to having to figure out where the best spot is on your board, you also have to figure out where the best spot on his board is and then put his tile there specifically there are some rules about how to do that because whenever you have what you want to increase the most reputation first and then most income second or both together, um, make sure it's valid, make sure not to lose stuff. So that's, that's essentially what you're doing. So there are specific rules for how to determine what's best. So you have to figure out what's best, put it there, and then you keep playing through the game at the end of the game. Um, he'll go ahead and he'll score however many points it is. The real difficulty I have for this is that Dale ends up getting a ton of money. He's (laughs) ended the game sometimes with upwards of $100 of money. At the end of the game, I think it's for every 10 money you have. Let me double check that. For every five money you have, you get one population. So he'll end up with $100 and he'll convert all that to population at the end of the game. That sort of—I mean—the the real difficulty is—is is there's no hundred-dollar coins. The biggest the coins get is twenty dollars. So at one point in time, I like I, I say that okay, all the tens here are actually a hundred. It, it it gets a little bit burdensome to track mm. the amount of money that he has. <laughs> that's that's the only real issue okay. I've had with Dale the bot, other than just the complexity of having to keep track of where the best part is on his board and then on my board. It, it can be more difficult. Okay, it's you know it. It sounds funny. It
0: reminds me a lot of uh, a lot of things that remind me of the castles of Mad King Ludwig. Well, there's probably a reason it, why. Well, yeah, the same designer, huh? but but the a few things that how the diff- there's different colors that each have different meanings that matter. The uh, the secret goals that's familiar,
1: and a couple other things you mentioned too. that I don't remember right now. Well, I think that the colors. In castles of Mad King Ludwig matter more than in here. In this one, it's a general archetype for the colors, except that the colors will tie into other things. So for instance, there may be a tile that gives you $2 for every green. But with that one, all the goals on similar colored tiles are all the exact same, I do believe. Or all the bonuses are all the exact same. So those, the colors are, are more linked to what it is that they do. Here, it's just a general archetype for what the colors are in general. Okay. Gotcha.
0: And I see there are some expansions for this game. Have you have you played the expansions at all? Do you know anything about
1: them? I have played the expansions. Um, very brief, just in general. There's a couple expansions, not including the small promo expansions. There's two. There's Suburbia Inc. and Suburbia 5 Star. Suburbia Inc., Adds on some border tiles. And so border tiles are sort of like over large tiles with extra stuff that it does for everything around it. So you might get a nuclear hazard zone. And so it's sort of like three hexes all put together. Mm. And anything that touches that will be at minus three reputation, but it's plus one income, plus six income for just having it. So they're bigger border tiles, is what those ones do. Um, so, so, Suburbia Inc. I have been able to play. Uh, I have not played either of them solo. Um, there's also bonuses and challenges in Suburbia Inc. So, usually there's just these goals at the end of the game. With Suburbia Inc., there's also the bonuses and challenges, which are basically mid-game goals. They're the, they're sort of the same thing as goals, but they just happen mid-game, and you have to catch hmm. them when you get to the middle of the game. Yeah, so the idea of Suburbia 5-star is that there's tourist traps and new landmarks and things, and so the idea is that you have stars. And players will use those stars to determine player order and provide bonuses for whoever has the most stars, and so various tiles will give you stars in addition to things. Now then, a 5-star sort of starts getting to one of the things that I prefer Suburbia over uh, Castles of Mad King Ludwig for. In Castles of Mad King Ludwig, one of the new things that he did was that there are now specific set rounds. On each round, after a round finishes, every, the game will pause, and I'm talking about Castles of Mad King Ludwig here. The game will pause, and whoever is the master architect will lay out the market, and they'll get to choose how much each of the tiles are worth. And so they'll spend a couple minutes thinking about that, and then you know, during that time everyone will chit-chat and just sit around waiting. And then, once they're done, he'll announce, okay, we're ready to continue. He'll announce where everyone gets to go, put it down, and figure out where where and everyone will get to make their selections at that point in time with him going last. In Suburbia, there is no round structure. The game continues to just go. You take your turn, and it just keeps going around. Me, personally, I like that a lot more. I like how there's there's no pause for a guy to figure out How it is that they want to structure it, where when when I've played Castle Mackie Ludwig, I literally just sit there just waiting. (laughs) I I may just chit chat and and sort of just waste time. But most of the time it's going, can we play the game yet, please? I think I'm ready to play the game. I'll just sit there waiting. It is really frustrating for me. And with suburbia, there's none of that. You take your tile and you keep going. And usually, even while the other players are taking their turn, even if I figure out what I'm doing, I'm sitting there watching the real estate market as they're buying the house going, not that one, not that one, please, not that one. I <laughs> want that one. And often I'm thinking, well, you know, each turn, one tile of the real estate market has to go. I'm looking at the one all the way on the left. I'm, like, calculating, will I have enough to get that one when it gets all the way over here? Yeah, I will, because it'll get $4 less cheap, and then I can put it here. So often I'm very involved during my turn. With castles, I just couldn't. I, couldn't. I couldn't do that because I didn't know what it would look like when it got back to my next turn. When you throw in Suburbia 5-star, it starts to bring in those problems again. Because the new star system determines player order. It determines how things work. It determines when you're going to be able to go next. How turn order is going to go. Who gets to move things around the market. And a lot of that stuff, it does, it, you don't get to move the market around like you could in castles. But you still get to do turn order. You still get to mess things over like that. I never, I mean, I, I looked at it. I didn't even give it a shot. Because I didn't like Hmm, castles. I didn't like castles, so I didn't even give it a shot. I see. Okay. The
0: the one other question I have is, uh, you mentioned the two ways to play solitaire, and there's a simpler one, where you're the solo architect, was it? Yeah, the lone architect. Lone architect, and the other one. That lone architect is it fun to go back to it or did you find
1: that after playing that a little bit and once you
0: got good with the game it, it's no longer interesting oh
1: i actually go back to an architect often okay. instead of playing dale the bot i mean you can even ask me well which one of the two solo games do i prefer i'll tell you and i'm not depends. sure it really it really depends <laughs> yeah. do i want to think more and it, it depends on the amount of time i have dale the bot often takes a bit longer to play i feel like the lone architect goes faster so do i feel like just going and playing when i'm playing dale the bot it, it again has the experience of oh well just a second hold up pause the game let's figure out what dale goes okay continue now with my turn up oh, hold up pause we gotta figure out dale okay my turn dale my turn yeah Dale, my turn so there's more of a challenge playing against dale because you have to figure out how to interact with him, figure out what it is that he's going to do. And there's a lot of that sort of stuff going on. But Have you played a Between Two Cities? That sounds a lot like Between Two Cities also. I have played Between Two Cities. I'm not quite sure why it sounds like Between Two Cities.
0: In, well, in the, well, in this one you have two subtle variants. A very simple one, which is by yourself,
1: a lone architect or one where you're playing against uh, two AIs. True, yes. Between Two Cities does have the same sort of two sort of variants. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think with Between... Well, I don't know. I don't think I've played Between Two Cities enough to comment on which one I prefer. I've played Suburbia a lot more than Between Two Cities, but I think that's mostly because I've owned Suburbia a lot longer. Mm -hmm. It's an older game. It is an older game. Let's see here. When did Suburbia come out? 2013 2013, and I think I probably bought it around 2013 so I've had it for a number of years I have not had Between Two Cities for nearly as long actually Suburbia came out in 2012, I'm sorry I got it a while ago, I don't know, I've had it for a while now and I really liked it, I think I got it when it was, when it was mm-hmm. basically new I think I got it when it was basically new um, so I've had it for a while and it's I, I still have a copy of it and I still pull it out Um, I do think that I I may play The Lone Architect more often than Dale the Bot. But I think one of the reasons is is because this game actually sort of competes with its app version. There's an app version of the game that's available, at least for Android tablets. I don't know what else it's available for. But there's an app version of the game where instead of playing against a solo AI that you have to control, you play against a, a computerized AI that's playing like another player and making... Uh, intelligent decisions. Dale can sometimes be stupid. Yeah, <laughs> <No. laughs> Dale can sometimes be very stupid. And it's actually, you know, to your advantage to try and take advantage of his stupidity. Because sometimes you'll you'll realize, oh, the best tile here is one I really don't want him to have. So I will lake the best tile. He'll buy the second best tile, which is really a bad idea for him to have. <laughs> because it's going to be just oh, nice. an absolute waste for him. So sometimes you can take advantage of Dale's stupidity. You can't really take advantage of the computer AI stupidity so to a certain degree it does com- combat with itself somewhat um, I, kn- I know that some people, some of our listeners do not like the computerized versions of board games, they prefer the, the physical aspects of it Suburbia also I mean, are you raising your hand there?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm agreeing with that. I tend to prefer physical aspects.
1: Yeah, I think that, I mean, Suburbia also, it's it's easier to play the game in the full cardboard version, especially since there's a lot of tiles and things going on. The digital versions um, help keep track of some things, like how many airports you have out and how many restaurants. Usually I'm just finding being able to keep track of that myself. The digital just has the advantage of being able to play anywhere without even carrying the box. But I think I prefer... This is one of the games that I do prefer to play physical because the size of the board just feels more correct, more right, playing the Mm. big version of the game than the small version of the game. But on the other hand, it has an AI that's actually smart, actually intelligent to go up against. So Dale is stupid. So usually if I'm wanting to play a game against an AI... I guess I'll pull out the app version of it. If I'm not wanting to play against an AI, I think I'll more often pull out the lone architect and play physical. Huh, now okay. Shabbos does tie into that because for those who are familiar with the Jewish rules of Shabbos, I can't play <coughs> excuse me. I can't play the AI on Shabbos. If I want to play Suburbia on a Friday evening, uh, then it's more of a question, well, do I want to play against Dell the bottom Lone Architect? But I think a lot a lot of the time I actually do pull out the Lone Architect just because it's super simple and still fun.
0: Hmm. Yeah, hey, okay. Yeah, I find a lot of times with the digital games, it's like, like I tried Pandemic the other day, it just seemed to, to lack the excitement of the physical version, I thought. It, it does a lot of thinking for you, but then also I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. And so I find that less fun with an AI. I hear that. With a digital game. Well,
1: one day we'll have to review Sentinels and we can talk about that more.
0: Yeah, you know, I've never played the digital Sentinels. I'd like to try that at some point. I, I have a feeling I like it and that worries me, actually. Ha 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 ha. I actually don't want to like it. Why not? Because uh, I enjoy the physical version and I'd hate to play the digital version and have it ruin the physical for me. That's happened with... um. Uh, what is it? Race for
1: the Galaxy? Well, I'm going to warn you, that's what happened with me with Sentinels. Yeah, then maybe I'll just avoid it. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, so- sounds to me like you're an ostrich bearing your head in, bearing your head in the sand there, Albert. <laughs> <laughs> and-, and I'm okay with that. Okay. <laughs> hey, man, if you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yep. As long as I'm not being the ostrich. <laughs>
0: I won't drag you down with me. Don't worry. All right, excuse me. So I have you. Is there anything else about this game you want to mention
1: about a uh, suburbia? Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking up my notes. The only thing I want to mention is um, just that I know that a lot of people. The, the biggest critique I've had about this game is the blandness of the tiles. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I think I mentioned it while we were talking about it before that most of the time it just looks like red, yellow, blue, gray or actually yellow, blue, gray, green, on your board, and you don't really see the buildings. Now, I remember seeing one person who did a gorgeous thing where they had 3D prints of all the buildings in the game. Ridiculous expense, but looks amazing. And they had 3D prints of all the buildings in the game. And so when you bought a building, you would take one of the 3D prints and literally put it on your board. That looked incredible. Wow. <laughs> it looked incredible. But when you look at the game, you can't keep track of the game. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you find it hard to, to
1: see what you got with the, the tiles all looking so similar? No, because, you- from I mean, half of the tile is the color and half of the tile is a marquee that denotes what it is. Like I said, with the with the I used the glass beads before to track some tiles that were particularly important, but I mean you can usually like for instance a restaurant. It's not so hard to find all the restaurants. They have a big icon on the left. It's not so hard to find these on the right. Excuse me. It's not so hard to find all the airports. There's a big icon on the right. It's not so hard to find all the green ones. They're all the green ones, and it's just very clear. <coughs> um, so it's it's very. Very clear for me about all of those, but some people don 't like how bland it looks to me. I think that for it it helps with the game design to to let it all be those colors because to me, I think that looks nice now then, on the other hand, i'm glad that they had the amount of colors they had there There was another game <laughs> that came out um, Loon Architects, which was a game where you 're making a blueprint in space. And that one just has two colors. I think two colors is probably not enough. This one's four colors. It's better. Would it have been better with full color? I don't know. It's hard for me to really to really guess. Do I think it's fine the way it is? Yes. Do I think that's a potential issue for some people? Yes. It's not that big of an issue for me. <laughs> um, another issue is just my idea of, of packaging. Um, simply a tip. All the tiles in this are hex based, and they give you—I think—they give you some bags to store it in. Uh, I actually uh, went and got a file for a set of tuck boxes that you can print off and include in the game, and these are available on BGG. Um, A very useful addition to have is these tuck boxes to keep all the different tile sets uh, nicely and neatly organized. I saw pictures; they look
0: really neat. Little.
1: Hex-shaped top boxes. Hex-shaped tuck boxes, yeah. Um, a little bit of a of a A little bit of a trouble to put all together, but very worth it for keeping everything nicely and neatly organized. Um, otherwise, just turn to final thoughts. Thumbs up, game, and I, I do like it. Keep I, I did see that. I think there's also a,
0: like a broken token insert for it that you could get, like a wooden insert for your box. That may be. Uh, and that may help uh, more.
1: That's, that's, else, yeah, okay. it's expensive. <laughs> Yeah, that's something else to look at. Yeah, it is. yeah there, is, there is, in fact, a broken token for it. Okay.
0: Neat, so a thumbs up game. I, I would like to try this at some point. Come over, Albert. And there's also another game in the series besides Suburbia, is it there? Castles of Mad King Ludwig? No. Like Suburbia. Subdivision? Subdivision.
1: Totally different game. I've never had a chance to play it, but totally different. Different game. designer. Different designer. The only the only similarity is the fact that they have hex shaped buildings. Okay. Um, but with that one, I think the idea of that one is there's a board with a bunch of negatives, and by filling up more of the board, you avoid the negatives.
0: Okay, and I think that also plays solitaire, but I don't know. But I've never
1: played but, it. I don't own a copy.
0: Yeah. Neat. Alright, well thank you for sharing that one. I've I've been curious about it, but I've never played it, never never had a chance yet. But I would like to try it. I did just get Castles of Mad King Ludwig today as a birthday present. I'm looking forward to playing that. I have played it once multiplayer. Good luck with that. I look forward to trying it solo. Thank you. I will, what once I've played it. <laughs> Alright, and that is a show.
1: The One Player podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share alike license. Thanks for listening.
0: Go. All right. We're live. All right. I'm live. I said go, <laughs> you said go too. Alright, welcome to the one, to the one episode 95. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. What did, did you just bang something Cut. and reverberated? Okay.